0: This is Prashant, and I'll be your host for this section of the Mailman podcast called 3-2-1 with Mailman. To quickly talk about the format, the guest will be required to share three ideas or books they live by, two people they look up to, and one productivity trick they use in their everyday lives. For those of you who do not know about Mailman, Mailman is a simple Gmail plugin that sits on top of your existing inbox and delivers your emails in batches, at times pre-selected by you. Hence, Mailman gives you complete control of your inbox and you get to decide when and what emails land in your inbox. Hence, minimizing distractions, facilitating deep work, and making your inbox a place of sanity. You can start your free trial at mailmanhq.com. That is M-A-I-L-M-A-N-H-Q.com. You will also find this link in the description below. Today, we have Elise let with us. Elise is a copywriter and content writer for consumer tech companies, creators, entrepreneurs. She writes primarily about the creator economy, the future of remote work, and personal development for the last 20-somethings. She's written for consumer tech startups that have raised millions of dollars from investors such as Naval Ravikant, Sekova, and Homebrew. Her past clients include Think Nimble, Knowable, Branch, and The Arc. Her work has been featured on the Daily Beast, the startup and visualized value. He has also done collaborations with prominent online traders such as Madhya Vela Jack Butcher, and Bajay Bulenga. Elise, we are so glad to have you and you have a very amazing career that you're building now working with amazing people. I will now let you speak your opening words now and we're so glad to have you here.
1: Definitely, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So yeah, my name is Elise Lemay. I am a Brooklyn based content writer and copywriter. Uh, the author of the Internetly newsletter, and just a little over a year ago, a lost, unemployed 20-something who managed to turn it around and start my own freelance writing business. So, yeah, it's been a journey, but that's where I am right now.
0: Yeah, I would like to touch upon that, uh, the lost 20-something spot. And I read something from you uh, on your Twitter where you shared your story of how you were at one time a lost twenty-something, and now you're helping others probably not make the same mistakes or do do it better. So uh, talk 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 me more into it. How do you do this? And how was your journey uh, in the twenty-somethings?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So the twenty-somethings, I feel for them. They don't really have a guidebook to how to navigate this decade in their life. It's a polarizing time because they're told two different viewpoints. The first is that. The 20s are your time to have fun, to go crazy, let loose. You'll never have as much energy as you do now. But the second discourse is that the 20s are your time to really set the foundation for your life, to build what is going to set you up for the future. And you can't really have both, it sounds like. So what ends up happening is that people get kind of paralyzed. We're also told, especially at least in you know American society, that you can sort of do anything you put your mind to. And so, when you give twenty somethings this abundance of you know options, they tend to not choose anything at all, become super indecisive, and float in an ocean of inaction. So, I just turned twenty-five. I'm still a young twenty-something. And when I graduated college in 2018, I did not want to deal with this battle. So I fled to Southeast Asia for six months to backpack. One, because I did genuinely want to travel and see the world, but two, because I didn't want to deal with the reality of coming back and finding a job and figuring my shit out. So eventually, all fun came to an end. I came back to America in August of 2019. And I was faced with two choices, having fun or setting up my career. Having fun meant I would go back to Australia and submit a visa, a working holiday visa, where I'd be able to live in Australia for up to two years, travel around, work as a barista or a bartender. Or option B was to stay in New York City and pursue, at the time, my music career. And it was a very difficult time in my life. I felt really challenged and I ended up going with option B, which was choosing the career. I ended up getting two jobs and an internship, uh, in New York city to, you know, support my freelance or not my freelance, my writing, my music journey. Sorry. And yeah, for about six months, I, I worked, I'd wake up at 4am to open a boxing studio and then I'd close the bar at 4am. I'd work 24 hour days and I just got sucked into the idea that you have to work really hard in your twenties. So that's sort of how I got there. Would you like to know how I got out of it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so, you know, COVID hit March 2020, and all of those jobs were gone in an instant. To make a long story short, I had pretty much a quarter-life crisis, realized writing was not, or music, sorry, was not at all what I wanted to do, and I came back to writing. I always used to journal as a kid, but I just didn't know how to make a career out of it, but I decided I was going to start, and I started applying to fellowships at BuzzFeed, Vox, and other places like
0: that. Okay, that's nice. And uh, I really relate with you on the point where you mentioned that uh, the early 20s face this dilemma that uh, do you have fun right now or do you build your career right now? And uh, the easier option is of course, having fun. And if, if you have a comfortable life already and your parents are serving for you, then you're more likely to take take the having fun option, because you feel it's fine, like I'm being taken care of, I can just have fun, why do I need to work? But then it's really hard to take the hard option of building your career, but that's actually the right option because your parents are not going to fend for you forever. Eventually you will need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is something that people need to realize. And I'm glad that you realize that at that point. And it's amazing to see the stark contrast between you know, at least that was interested in having fun. And then someone who was working really, really hard because she felt that, okay, this is the way to make it, right? So I love that. Uh, Besides, uh, another question that's coming up in in my mind that I will ask you before we jump into the format of the podcast. So you have worked for and worked with amazing companies, amazing organizations, and amazing, amazing people. So how have you managed to do that? Because you're just 25. Uh, do you, how did you make your connections in this industry? How do you reach out to these people? How did you make your presence felt?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel to answer that question, I'll just pick up where I started off with my last answer. So had my quarter-life crisis, realized I wanted to ditch music, go into writing. I started applying to fellowships at big media companies, but because I had no experience and didn't go to journalism school, uh had yeah, no connections whatsoever. I got rejected from every single position. So that was fun, but it also was a big wake-up call. It was frustrating because I knew that this was a career I could be good at, but no one was letting me in. And then I realized, thanks to the internet, that you really don't need to wait around for gatekeepers to let you in. So what I started doing is I published on horizontal social networks. So for me, that meant Medium and Twitter. I started with one article a week. That was my one goal. I didn't even know how to, I wasn't a very good writer, but even back then, I was still figuring out the ropes. But one article a week was where i was going to start and from there it started a flywheel where things started to happen so i started posting on medium publication started reaching out to me asking if they could feature my article that was a sign that maybe there was potential there i started pitching other companies and i got my first pitch accepted at the daily beast and that was a huge day for me because it showed me that yeah this was possible if i kept going i hired a freelance writing coach which was one of the biggest, scariest investments of my life, but it showed that I was really serious about pouring in the money to make this work. And, you know, as a result of working with a coach who taught me how to properly cold pitch clients, how to define my niche, how to be a good freelancer, paired with just writing consistently and building an audience. It wasn't long until I started to build a small digital footprint for myself that started growing. So Really what I can credit it to is not being afraid to look a little silly and to not be good at something when you first start. So if you look at my first articles, they're not very good. And I would pitch companies that were way out of my league, but that's the only way to really get started. You have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. And as a result of just sharing your ideas online, Of reaching out to people even if you're afraid you would be really surprised at the strides you can make and i've been really fortunate to to make it this far
0: that that sounds so amazing and i love that fact that even at such an early age you are starting you have started to invest in yourself you know there are 40 year olds and they're leading big corporations but they never hire a coach for themselves but they absolutely need it and you did it you know before you were 25, and that's incredible. And the re- results are there to show. So it's definitely recommendable for anyone to hire coaches and hire people who are better than themselves to teach them their profession. Like for you, it was writing for someone else. It can be managing people or leading a company, different things. You know, coaches are necessary for everything, I feel. And kudos to you for doing that early in your life. Okay, now let's jump straight into the exciting format that i have waiting for you. So the number one question in the format i am waiting for you is what are the three ideas or books that you live by and why
1: yeah i'll dive right into it Uh, i chose three books so the first book is the untethered soul this book found me about january 2021 i was in a difficult place to be honest uh you know even as a freelance writer you know owning your own business it's really easy to get burnt out to tie your intrinsic value into the work that you produce This book felt as though it extended a hand to me and led me to a gentler, kinder existence. And what I meant by that is it told me that my thoughts are not my reality. And to rather take them as the truth, I take them as suggestions. So I'm able to disassociate from what we call the monkey mind and be a lot kinder to myself and realize that in people, there's two two entities. There's one that speaks and the other one that listens. And you are the one that listens to the voice. So this was a really helpful, you know, it just helped me get less stressed, be more objective and help me out of a difficult time in my life. The second book is You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I hesitated to put this one in because I don't really agree with a lot of what she says in the book. She can be a little bit insensitive at times, but I have to credit her with kind of giving me a kick in the ass to do things that I really wanted to do. She has a very brute writing style that's really motivational. And one example of this is I found her book Right before I was leaving for Asia for my solo backpacking trip, I really wanted to do it, but I was terrified I was going to go alone. No one wanted to do it with me. And I hadn't bought the ticket yet, even though I told everyone I was going. I read her book on a bus going to Washington, D.C. And this excerpt really stood out to me. It read to have a life you've never had. You have to do things you've never done. And in that moment it clicked for me and I realized I have to buy this ticket right now. I have to do something that scares me if I wanna have this life I've dreamt of. So once I got back home, I ran to my laptop and bought the first ticket I saw and I have to credit her for pushing me to travel by myself. And to this day, it's one of the best experiences I've had in my life. The third book would be On Writing by Stephen King. I mean, this is a classic for all writers of all kinds. It taught me so many amazing lessons. The first is that, you know, all writers, you just have to get started now. You can't wait around till you have the perfect desk, the perfect idea, the perfect story. You just have to get started. Secondly, that all writing is bad at first. There's no such thing as a good writer, really. You all have to start with a pretty shitty first draft and it's just good editing. And my third favorite lesson from him is you have to write with the door closed and rewrite with the door open. So you write a really bad first draft that's just for you. And then when you edit, you open the door to the general public and you rewrite with them in mind. And it's a fabulous story. He's a great storyteller. Highly recommend
0: yeah, so th- those are three really amazing recommendations. So the first book that you shared, The Untethered Soul, and um, that helped you, uh, that lend you a hand in a difficult time and it helped you differentiate between your thoughts and yourself. And you are not not your thoughts because a lot of people feel that, okay, we are our thoughts and that, that just takes them down a rabbit hole that they feel okay, we don't feel good because the thoughts aren't good. But you need to differentiate that. You're different and you can Choose to refuse your thoughts as well. That okay, this is not a thought that I want, and you know, manage them, move them around. It's possible, you know. So that's that's something that that book talks about. So the next book that you mentioned was was written in a very brutal style. And I feel that th- these kinds of books are also somewhat necessary. You know, it's, these books carry very strong language and make the points hard. That okay, this is this and this is this, and you need these kinds of books uh, to have some rules in life that these are rigid rules. I'm not going to compromise with these things. And these are the only books that can serve as a wake-up call for a person that's sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just goes hard on you that, okay, this is the to do this thing. This is the right thing to do. Okay. You need someone to say it with conviction. That, okay. I know it. And I'm telling you, just do this, you know? Mm-hmm. So great. And the third book that was on writing by Stephen King and I, I'm, I'm a writer myself. I write one blog every day. So I totally recommend this. And another book, which is on, on a similar name, it's called "On Writing Well," uh, by William Zinsser, and that's also very incredible. Uh, both these books are really good. Uh, if you want to better your writing, uh, then definitely get these books. So my next question to you is: Who are the two people that you look up to the most, and why?
1: Right. So I think. For every person who has a role model or an inspiration, it's important to have two different types of role models. The first is someone who is at the pinnacle of their career has quote unquote made it. And then the second person is someone who is only a few steps ahead of you, someone that you can really identify with and see yourself in their footsteps. So for me, those two people Firstly, it would be Ava Gutierrez. She is my old freelance writing coach. I worked with her about a year ago. When I was a brand new writer, I had zero clients, zero experience, uh, zero confidence in myself or my abilities whatsoever. She taught me everything I know and more than anything gave me the confidence and belief that I could do this. And for that, I really admire and respect her. She is someone that has accomplished great great things with her freelance writing business. She's a six-figure writer. She's a coach to new writers. She works with amazing clients and is just a very well-put-together, thoughtful human being. And I see myself as her. I want to be her in a few years. So that's why she inspires me greatly. You know, She helps other people you know, in their writing careers. And that's something I'd love to do too one day. The second person, the one who is at the pinnacle of their career, has really made it, would be Christo. He is the founder of The Future, which is a sort of like media publication that teaches everything you know about freelancing. So he focuses on designers, but the principles of freelancing can bleed into all different industries. He is oh, he's so smart, so well-spoken, and I have learned so much from him in terms of negotiating, negotiating how to talk with clients, how to price yourself, why you're, why you should be expensive in your services. And more than anything, Chris is a formidable life coach. And at the end of it, freelancing is really not just about the business side. It's about the mental side as well. And he's taught me so many valuable lessons such as, you know, obstacles or opportunities in disguise to see challenges as a way to better yourself and he's built something incredible and yeah that's the ultimate goal one day to have something like that like a media you know publication where we end of the day we just help people learn how to be expensive learn how to be the best version of themselves and you know live the life they're supposed to so yeah i commend chris for that very remarkable person
0: yeah amazing so those are two amazing people that you shared and i love that idea uh, that you should have one person who is just a few steps ahead and one person who is at the pinnacle so how, how I, I do it for myself is, uh, I have some people who I look up to who are close to me, who I can interact with directly, like face-to-face. And then some people who I cannot interact with, interact with. they're out of my league at this point, you know. I, they have a lot of followers, they're popular. So how, that's how I do it. But this is another, you know, kind of similar way, just someone who is at the pinnacle and someone just a few steps ahead. So great. Uh, Thank you for sharing these people. And I am glad that you got these people in your life. So my third and the last question today is what's the number one productivity trick that you find super helpful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a little bit of a productivity junkie. I've added a lot of habits this past year to help boost my productivity. I've done everything from journaling to meditating to making my bed every single morning. But by and large, what has made the biggest effect possible in my life is I do not consume social media in the mornings. So right now it's 1130 AM here in New York. I still have not looked at Twitter or Instagram. Um, I check my emails that I'm still guilty of, but when I first wake up, my routine is, you know, like a shower, um, eat something, and then I just get to work. There's no scrolling. And I first started this off as a little experiment to see how it would make me feel because I wanted to cut off my social media consumption. I wanted to cut it down a little bit. the first day I did it, I remember checking the time. It was 1030. And I was like, holy shit, I'm already done with the major thing I had to do today. So I just kept doing it and doing it. And honestly, the productivity boost it gives you is unmatched. I think there's some signs behind it. But if you forbid yourself from having a dopamine binge before you get started with your work, you allow your brain to become much, much, much more focused. You can product like Not to mention, and I'll also add on to this, it's not just about the productivity as well. Because my days are so starkly divided with mornings, no social media, afternoon social media, I can start to pinpoint exactly when uncomfortable thoughts come up. So feelings like ego, doubt, lack, I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough. I can pinpoint when those come up. They only come up in the afternoon. In the mornings, I'm clean slate. So not only does it allow you to mentally feel a lot more grounded and stable, I mean, when you don't have those those thoughts plaguing your mind, you're able to feel way better about your work, get a lot more done. And this is a trick that I will probably do for the rest of my life. I highly recommend it.
0: Uh, At least this is absolutely brilliant. And I can say this because uh, this is one trick that I practice myself. You know, and I call this the no inputs rule in the morning. So I don't get any inputs in the morning. That's from emails or social media or anything. And I've also recently started to do this. And the reason why I started doing this is because I saw that social media, using social media in the morning or opening your emails in the morning, it just sucks your energy. You know, you don't feel like doing any work after that. Your energy is totally drained on these platforms. So once I start doing this, just like your experience, I get a lot done just in the morning, you know, just by 10 or 11 or 12, I get a whole chunk of work done. And I only let myself use my phone or or go to social media after I'm done with most of my important work and only left with tiny, tiny bits. And this is absolutely brilliant. And if, if it works for the two of us, I think it can work for anyone. People should try this technique of, keeping their mornings away from their phones and not taking any inputs, whether that's from social media, because I feel that social media actually gives you these dopamine hits, hits in different formats, whether it's from the posts that are there or the the notification that you get. And those dopamine hits drain you out, I feel. I don't know the science behind it, but I think this is this way. And I feel that the dopamine hits that you should really be craving are the ones that you get out of your work. So if you get a big task done, then the dopamine hit that you get, that's a good dopamine hit, you know. Mm. But the dopamines that you get from social media are cheap dopamines, you know. They don't mean much. Uh, So that's how I think about it. And that's a brilliant, brilliant uh, productivity trick that no one has ever shared on this podcast yet. We have recorded 30 plus episodes. Uh, This is a brilliant one that just came up. Thank you for sharing this. So coming to the end of this, episode. I want to ask you that if anyone wants to follow along your journey and uh, follow you on different platforms, what would be the best way to do that?
1: Right. So the best way to follow me on this whole crazy journey would be Twitter. So my name is spelled like, it's Elise, but it's spelled like Alice L. Lemay. So yeah, Alice L. Lemay, L-E-M-E-E. That's my Twitter handle, best way to follow me. You can also email me at Elise at com. And yeah, yeah, website, website and Twitter, best way to find me, or you can just email me as well. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty easily findable.
0: Absolutely. And I can attest to that because I found her and reached out to her and have her here on the podcast. So definitely she is very approachable. And she's sees her DMs and everything. So I'll make sure to spell all of your handles and website correctly in the show notes below. So that anyone who wants to reach out to you can just go there in the click of a button. Thank you so much for doing this, Elise. I enjoyed this a lot myself and I hope you did as well.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me.